Welcome to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. What a classic. An iron bow finish that people won't ever forget. Another one of those to put in the books. You know, uh, no matter who you're for, you can't deny that it was an amazing um, game that, you know, not many people expected. I know I didn't give Auburn much of a chance being 20 and a half point underdogs. Uh, I thought Bama would walk into Jordan-Hare and midway through the third, early fourth, they would, you know, put their stamp on the game and walk out there with a three-touchdown type victory. But um, this is why we play the game, and this is why this rivalry, Auburn-Alabama, is the best in all of sports, not just college football, not just college sports, but pro sports also. Like, There's nothing greater than Auburn-Alabama. These are two schools, two fan bases who absolutely despise each other. Um, you know, the bragging rights, the bragging rights that come from, you know, one game in one year of being able to, you know, tell your neighbor, tell your friends, uh, tell your coworkers, War Eagle, Roll Tide, we got y'all, you know, and having those 364 days until the next time uh, that, hey, we we are the guys, we the champs this year, at least in this particular matchup. Um, and I know people talk about Yankees, Red Sox. They play each other 19 times. 19, I mean, how's that a rivalry? You play each other 19 times in a season. You know, that's not a rivalry. <laughs> so uh, Duke, North Carolina, you play each other twice, so you can split those. Uh, so there's nothing like Auburn, Alabama football, and that's why this is the greatest rivalry in all sports. Now, the game itself... And like I mentioned, I didn't give Auburn much of a chance. I'm at my Aunt Yvonne's house, just laying on the couch, just kind of relax. And, you know, normally I'm watching the Iron Bowl and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up tight. I'm, you know, I'm on the edge of the couch. Like every play is, is, is something. But, you know, I, like I said, I knew with Auburn's struggles offensively coming in, not having Bo Nix, not having Anders Carlson, a guy you can rely upon most of the time in the kicking game, that it would be a struggle more than likely – on the offensive standpoint, not having those two. And, you know, that's kind of what we saw. Now, the defense did everything they could to keep Auburn in this game. And and you look at some of the things that took place in this game. Everything that could have happened in Auburn's favor happened in Auburn's favor. I mean, Bama had 11 penalties for 129 yards. That's any regardless who you play when that team has 11 penalties for 129 yards that's a huge plus in your book you look at Paul Tyson and his fumbled field goal snap in the third quarter that cost Alabama three points right there and you know anytime Will Riker kicks you feel pretty good you know he's one of the more consistent kickers in college football and one of the more uh, reliable kickers to ever come through Alabama football history and the snap was great but the hole was not, and Paul Tyson definitely blew a great opportunity for the Tide that only served even more momentum for the Auburn Tigers. Uh, in the fourth quarter, you know, Dallas Turner was called roughing the passer, and that was a huge penalty because that negated an interception that took place on that play, and eventually Auburn, was they punted, and they were able to flip the field, and we know how important field position is in any close game. You look at Brian Robinson, the bell cow, in the backfield for the Crimson Tide. Him leaving with a lower body injury 
and we all we already knew Bama's situation in the backfield. I mean, not having Roydale Williams and Jace McClellan, both of those guys being out for the season, and only having Trey Sanders behind Robinson, and he he's had his share of injuries as well. So when Robinson left the game, you knew like, man, things are continually piling up against this Alabama team. But the one that stood out above them all was Jamison Williams being ejected in the first quarter for targeting. And, you know, it was it was apparent when you saw all the replays that it was targeting. Uh, and it was, you know, concluded that he did indeed uh, commit the foul for targeting. And he's ejected. The first thing I was wondering, like, okay, why is he even on special teams coverage? Like, he's a receiver. Not only is he a receiver, because a lot of receivers play special teams punt coverage, but he's your star receiver. He's your best receiver. He's one of the best receivers in all of college football, and he's on punt coverage going to make a tackle. Now, it's one thing if you're returning kicks, which we know he does, and, you know, Slade Bolden returns punts. Uh, but there's no way I want my best players – especially on the offensive side of the ball. I don't want them going to make tackles on any unit, you know. So, to me, Bama kind of came away with luck on their side in that scenario, especially Nick Saban, because you have your star receiver on punt coverage, and what if it was worse than targeting? What if he suffered an injury he's out for the rest of the year? So, and I know that Saban's mo. He's always played his starters on special teams. Nothing, nothing new. I remember Mika Fitzpatrick playing special teams when he was at Alabama. But uh, certain guys, I just don't want to be in that position. And definitely not a receiver. I'm asking to go make a tackle to go hit somebody when his that's not his primary responsibility. But that ejection right there changed the entire landscape. And I knew at that moment that Auburn had an opportunity to steal a victory over the Crimson Tide. I mean, you take a guy away like Jameson Williams, his explosive ability, what he's capable of every time he touches the ball, whether it's in the receiving game or the return game, he's it's possible that he'll take it 88 yards or to the house every single time he touches the ball. And, you know, everybody knows Jalen Waddle. He's lighting it up in the NFL as well, and we know what he did in Alabama. And, you know, not saying that Williams – is Jalen Waddle, but he's definitely Waddle-esque. You know, he has that kind of explosiveness, that electrifying playmaking ability anytime he is on the field. And so when he was ejected, that's when I knew, okay, Auburn, this is your shot. This is your shot. And it, it, it showed because he's one of those guys where he's going to break one or two every single game. You're not going to stop him the entire game, but you can, you're gonna, you can contain him. You can definitely try to limit those big play opportunities and – you know, all those things that happened went against Bama, happened in Auburn's favor, and this was a prime opportunity, a prime chance for the Tigers to steal one when they had zero business being in that game in many people's eyes. You know, my friend Jake, he's been on the show a couple times. He texted me, I believe it was like the third quarter, and he was like, man, is this real? And I was like, dude, I don't say anything until there's triple zeros on the clock in the fourth quarter at the end of the game because I've seen too much. I've seen too much. I mean, my friend Garrett also texted me. He said, man, what's going on with Auburn? I was like, dude, defense is playing amazing, but it's only the third quarter. Like, I've learned to temper expectations regardless of the team I'm for, regardless of the team they're going against. Anything's possible. 
Anything is possible until the game is final. And I've seen it happen for me. I've seen it happen against me with my teams. And, you know, I'll tell you why another reason I had tempered expectations was because I just kept thinking back to the 09 Iron Bowl. I mean, you look at some of the similarities. It was Gene Sizzik's first year. This year was Brian Harson's first year. The 09 team started out 5-0. and This Brian Harson team started out 4-1. and Gene Chizik's first year, they finished 2-5 and five in the last seven games. Brian Harson's team in his first year, 2-5 and five last seven games. So, you know, I just kept going back to that 9 Iron Bowl. And that was the only Iron Bowl I've actually attended in person. And, you know, it was just one of those weird feelings that it looks good. The defense is playing out of their mind, which – that 0-9 team did too. Mark Ingham went on to win the Heisman, but in that game, he only had 30 yards. And the defense is lighting up. The fans are going bonkers. They're completely in control of this game and the momentum that's been started. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, an electric atmosphere anytime, you know, the team's at home, whether it's Auburn at home or Bama at home. Those fans are going to be incredibly insane to start the game. But when you can keep that momentum – and the fans never lose that luster or that enthusiasm. It's always going to be tough for the opposition to come through with a victory in that type of environment. And that's just how I felt. I kept going back to that 9 game. You know the drive where Bama had eight, nine minutes on that final drive. And you go back and look at it. They ran pick plays that entire drive. Colin Peake would be on one side of the formation. Julio Jones is on the other. They would send Peake. Uh, run a route, a little pick route. It's not a rub route. It's a legal pick and free up Julio anytime they needed to on third down and keep the drive alive. Roy Upchurch scores a touchdown. Bama wins 26-21 and just absolutely crushed my Auburn Tiger heart. But uh, that's how I felt, kept watching this game. I'm like, man, we, we're not doing enough from an Auburn standpoint to to put Bama away. I mean, James Burnup is last in punting. He's the only only punter in the SEC who isn't averaging 40 yards a punt. And he had a short punt or two where Auburn got the ball midfield, great field position, couldn't score. Uh, you look at Bidarius Knighton's interception, couldn't do anything with that. So it was too many blown opportunities. Bama won the game, but Auburn more so let them off the hook as my guy Dennis Green in his famous press conference that he said years ago with the Cardinals, you know, he let him off the hook. I mean, Auburn had every opportunity to win that game, to seal the game, to not allow it to go into overtime. And before it actually went into OT, you know, of course, Auburn couldn't pick up the first down uh, to, to basically seal the game or at least have Bama burn an extra timeout. And the punt was great from Oscar Chapman. And now Bama has to go 97 yards to tie the game. And as great as the defense was, they've been on the field all game. That's why I mentioned the defense needs breaks. They need some motivation from the offense knowing that, hey, we've stopped them all game. Can't y'all get three? Can't y'all give us some reward? And Bryce Young is the absolutely last QB, not only in the SEC, but probably all in college football. Like This dude is a stud. I love watching his game, his composure, his poise. And that's what you always hear in the NFL. Don't give Brady one more chance. Don't give Mahomes one more chance. Don't give Rodgers one more chance. Don't give Bryce Young one more chance. And that's what Auburn did. He threw a 
dime, an absolute dime to Ja'Cory Brooks in the corner of the end zone to tie the game 10-10 to after Riker's successful extra point. And I was at my aunt's house, and I was going to my cousin's house after the game. So as soon as they tied the game, at the end of the fourth, I went ahead and started the car up. I knew going to overtime didn't help Auburn at all. The longer this game went, it didn't bode well for Auburn and that Alabama was somehow going to win this game. And sure enough, that's what happened. So Auburn fumbled the opportunity to steal a huge upset victory in the Iron Bowl in Harson's first year, which only can help in recruiting. And you got to give Bryce Young the credit. The dude's a gamer. The dude's a competitor. I'm excited to watch him play and as he matures and progresses moving forward. And, I mean, how can you not like him? He's always under control. You never see him panic. You never see him pressured or feel rattled, regardless of how the game's going, regardless of that last play. He comes back and shakes it off just as you would hope any student athlete would. So with that being said, as we take a break to hear from our local sponsors, we're going to dive into the SEC championship game, number one Georgia, number three Alabama, and we'll talk even more about that guy Bryce Young. And can he and the Tide pull off this victory that not many people are giving them a chance in? They're not giving them a chance in this SEC championship game Georgia, Bama. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan, or phone 334 334- 671 pool. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Care Animal Center is a local business partner at The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. As we dive into the SEC championship matchup, number one, Georgia, number three, Alabama, you know, this has been an anticipated matchup for pretty much the entire season. You know, people penciled Georgia in as SEC East Division winners early on. They did the same for Bama. Even though Bama had some, there were some top opportunities for other teams in Auburn and Ole Miss and A&M to possibly steal that West Divisional crown. But here we are, Georgia, Bama nonetheless. And, you know, this Georgia team, you could tell early on that this team is something to be reckoned with. I mean, their defense is the best in the country, hands down, right? They've only allowed a total of 83 points all year. 83 total. 
that equates in the 12 games in the regular season that they played to just under seven points per game. So teams are scoring a touchdown, and that's it. So, uh, you know, Georgia has definitely proved that they are for real. Defensively, they are one of the best teams we've seen in recent history. And here they go, Kirby Smart, another opportunity to beat Nick Saban. He's come close quite a few times, as we know, SEC championship game, national title game. But this may be his best opportunity. I mean, he's had great chances, but this defense with Jordan Davis in the middle, Lewis Seen in the back end, hard hitting safety, you know, Nicobe Dean, like him a lot, number 17 in the linebacker court. Like, they have some studs. And, you know, like I said early on, you could tell that this team was going to be for real, and they prove nothing but that. But on the flip side, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, this is a team that likes to employ a four running back committee. And, you know, I tell you that whenever you run the ball successfully and teams can't stop you, they know what's coming and they can't do anything about it. There's nothing more demoralizing than watching a team get four yards and then six and then three and then eight and then five and then nine. And they're just basically paper cutting you to death down the field. And that's what this Georgia team does. You can't score them defensively. You can't stop them in the run game. And then they go play action when you do bite up and try to put eight in the box, nine in the box. They go play action. And a lot of times it's a deep ball from Stetson Bennett to Lad McConkey. And, you know, Brock Bauer is one of the best freshman tight ends in the game. And this team, they just they have found a recipe of success that works for them. Now they go against – this Alabama team that has had quite a few scares and, and near losses. Of course, we know what happened in the Iron Bowl, uh, the 2014 victory over LSU, the 42-35 victory over Arkansas. I mean, Bama, we're accustomed to seeing Bama just annihilate teams. They may have a close game or two, but usually, usually – they're just blowing everybody out the water. Now, that's not the case with this year's Bama team. Now, that doesn't mean they're not good. We know they're good, and they're capable of playing their best ball anytime they get out there. We haven't seen that as of yet. But you've heard me talk about this Bama offense, Bryce Young, Heisman winner. He's going to win it. He should have been the guy weeks ago. They were trying to pump up C.J. Stroud, a quarterback at Ohio State. But Bryce Young's the guy. I mean, no question. And he's definitely solidified that spot to be the number one guy. And, you know, they always say, what was that player's Heisman moment, that one play or that one drive that really did it for him to win the Heisman, which don't I don't understand that. I'm not looking at one play. But that 97-yard drive to keep their SEC championship hopes alive, the national title hopes alive, coming back, sending that game to overtime, and ultimately winning 24-22 in four overtimes against the Tigers. You know, Bryce Young, you know, <laughs> you can't count him out anytime he touches the field, regardless of who he's going against. This defense is led by Will Anderson, a complete linebacker in the run game, in the pass game. He's <laughs> a bona fide first-round pick for sure. And, you know, everything starts with him. I mean, just seeing his excitement 
when they sealed the win, his, his hug with Bryce Young as they got that victory on the plains, you know, you could tell that, you know, you love guys like that, those who are leaders, not just through what they say, but also what they do. And then just seeing the excitement on his on his face and the the jubilation that that Crimson Tide fan base and, and players showed that, you know, I think it's it's an example not just from what Nick Saban has done, but guys like Will Anderson who are there to kind of be an extension of the head coach on the field. And that's exactly what Will Anderson brings. So this defense has been not a typical Alabama defense. They're don't they're they've had trouble stopping the run that's what Georgia does well which is a concern but you know I believe they're up to the challenge to prove that they are going to play probably their best game of the season you know this defense is nothing like we're accustomed to seeing I know a lot of fans are on Pete Golden's head and they've been so for the last year or so uh and who knows this could be his final year especially if they aren't able to come through with a victory in this SEC championship game, which could possibly knock them out of the playoff race if they indeed do lose to the Bulldogs on Saturday. Now, when you look at the matchups, or you look at some of the weaknesses and the things that one team doesn't do well, the other team doesn't do this, you know, you're looking at Bama, you know, you got to be concerned about Brian Robinson. I talked about the running back injuries, we all know the situation there. Him going down and not able to finish the Iron Bowl is a huge concern because Trey Sanders, we don't know what he's capable of. He had problems running against Auburn's defense. So what do you think is going to happen against Georgia's defense in the run game? Now, you know, most teams completely just abandon the run eventually against Georgia because it's too hard to run against that front. But I feel like you still have to show the willingness to run and can't just abandon your game. Regardless if it's Brian Robinson or if it is Trey Sanders, you still have to show the willingness to run and not just drop back and and let the defense know that they can just tee off on Bryce Young and it's going to be a pass every down. You still have to remain balanced. And I think Bama is a lot more balanced than Georgia because Georgia's quarterback, Stetson Bennett, is nowhere near the QB of Bryce Young. But he has definitely played a very solid season in a year that nobody really expected him to be the guy. And he wasn't the guy until JT Daniels got banged up. But Bennett has definitely led an impressive Bulldogs team to a 12-0 record to this point. So you look at Bama, Bryce Young, running back concerns. Their receivers, Jameson Williams, best receiver in the SEC. Won't say he's the best receiver. I'm not sure because you got Traylon Burks at Arkansas. You have Kayshawn Butte at LSU. But Williams is definitely one of the top five in the entire country. Even John Mechie. John Mechie had a great game in Williams' absence last last week in the Iron Bowl. John Mechie would be the best receiver on Georgia's team this year. So if you took Mechie and put him on Georgia, he's easily the best receiver. So I think that's a huge glaring weakness for Georgia that they don't have that number one guy like you know Burton is a speedster Kyrus Jackson is a solid guy he hasn't had the type of year that we're accustomed to seeing or expected to him uh, going into this year and you know really when it comes in the passing game it's Lat McConkey usually on deep balls where they take their play action shot every now and then 
Brock Bowers. You heard me talk about him, the tight end, the freshman from California. But they don't have that guy who can really – who puts fear in you in the perimeter game like Bama does with Mechie and Jameson Williams. Georgia doesn't have that, and that's a huge concern when we know that Georgia – is very one-dimensional. They like to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. But when teams, and I know teams have known that all year, but this is a Nick Saban-led team where you know he's not going to have it. He's not going to – if you're going to beat him, you better have a quarterback to do it. That's always been the consensus and understanding that if you're going to beat a Nick Saban-led team, you better have a quarterback who's a gamer like a Trevor Lawrence, like a Cam Newton, like a Johnny Manziel. Like you're not – you need that guy at QB. That's what I'm going to say, and I'll dive into that a little bit later here in this segment. But the receivers are a concern in my in my vantage point for Georgia. And Bama's secondary isn't great. They have some experienced guys. They have some inexperienced players also who are having to play in critical moments. But when you don't have that threat, that is how can you take advantage of a team's weakness when you don't have that as a strength? So you heard me talk about Bryce Young and how amazing he is at QB. And Stetson Bennett has had an amazing season. But when you look at the two, you kind of have to give Bryce Young an edge there. I mean, Stetson Bennett is your game manager, so to speak. He's a guy that you're not going to ask him to do too much. Like, we're going to run the ball, we're going to play great defense, and we're going to limit your throws, which really means more so that we're going to limit – the opportunities that you have to make a mistake. And they've done that. I mean, he only is averaging 15 pass attempts a game. So when that works for you, where you have a great defense and we can just run it down teams' throats, they can't do anything about it, run the clock out, we eventually just run them out of the stadium. It has worked for Georgia. And, you know, I tell you my concern with Stetson is, you know, he is the starter more so because – JT Daniels got hurt. They were seeing the wins and they didn't want to mess up the flow. Why mess up a good thing type of mentality? And that's cool at times, but that's where I think Kirby Smart may be making a huge mistake. We've seen him do this a few years ago where Jacob Eason was a starter, but he gets hurt from leads them to like a 5-0, 6-0 start. Easton comes back. We're just going to ride the hot hand. Why mess it up? We're winning games. Let's not do anything and change our success. But I tell you, that incident where they kept from instead of Easton, they're keeping Bennett instead of Daniels, it also reminds me of Clemson several years ago where they're winning games with Kelly Bryant, but they have this stud, this phenom. This dude fresh out of high school, true freshman Trevor Lawrence, waiting in the wings. And, you know, Dabo Swinney was like, look, we, we've given Kelly Bryant an opportunity. We've seen what he can do and what he can't do, especially in big games. Kelly's not the guy. He He's going to win games for us, but he's not going to lead us to a championship. And Dabo Swinney made the move midseason. Trevor Lawrence is a starter. He goes on and wins a national championship against Alabama and put his name on the map for good and that's what I see here Stetson Bennett is Kelly Bryant he's Jake Fromm and on the flip side you have JT Daniels Jacob Eason and Trevor Lawrence and 
not saying that JT Daniels is Trevor Lawrence, but he did come out of the same high school recruiting class that had Trevor Lawrence as the number one quarterback, Justin Fields as number two, JT Daniels was number three. So we know Daniels is super talented, and it seems to be happening to him all over again. He was at USC. He was a starter. He gets hurt. He loses his job to Keaton Slovis. Transfers to Georgia. He is hurt. They played the one Mathis last year, Stetson Bennett, and he ran into that train wreck Alabama on a Saturday night. Same team he'll be playing Saturday. And then they finally played Daniels' last four games. He throws 10 touchdowns, one pick, which included a Sugar Bowl victory as well. So here it is, Kirby Smart playing the safe route again. Let's just ride the guy who's got us here, even though he's not the guy to get you over the hump. There are some people who are perfectly fine with their car getting them from point A, which get them around, to point B, maybe the bank, to point C, going to church. You need a car that's going to get you anywhere you need to go, regardless of the road and the obstacles that may come in the way. I have reliable means of transportation to take me wherever I desire to go. And the Bulldogs are desiring to go to the national championship and not only get there, but win it this time. And Stetson Bennett is just that guy to get you from point A to point B to point C. And they're sitting JT Daniels on the bench, the guy to get them to point double D. Their desired destination, which is Lucas Oil Stadium, where the 2022 National Championship will be held. And with that being said, before I share my prediction for the game, I'm going to share a couple of people that I've come across the last few days, some of their predictions, and kind of give you an idea of what to expect, what people are thinking in this Georgia-Alabama matchup. My guy Corey Hohenwall predicted Georgia to win 31-10. to 10. And before he even left my presence, he actually said Georgia's going to win 31-3. to 3. But, I'm, but I think he was being a little extra, so I'm going to keep that 31-10 prediction. But he has Georgia winning that in the landslide. My guy Kirk Holland, a great supporter of the Sweet Spot Care Animal Center. Thank you for all that you do. Ran into him the other day. He's predicting Georgia as well, 17-7. to 7. So a much lower scoring game. But my guy Kirk has the Bulldogs winning 17-7. to 7. And actually, by those numbers, keeping that Georgia defense, the numbers that they've allowed all year, only a total of 83, an average of 6.9 in those 12 games, there's your seven points. Jake Everidge, 31-21. Alabama. He has Bama winning this and adding a score late. He said it's going to be a late non-offensive touchdown, whether from special teams or that Bama defense that will add another score to seal the deal for this Crimson Tide team. And then Jason Fleabot, he was on my show as a guest on the episode Nightmare in Aggieland, where he's a Bama fan and he was at Kyle Field the night that the Aggies upset the Crimson Tide that Saturday evening. He's going with Bama as well, 24-20. to 20. He said, I think it comes down to Bryce Young on Saturday, and I'll bet on him. I'm looking at Bryce Young. I'm looking at Stetson Bennett. 
this Georgia defense is amazing, and they will do everything they can to make Alabama's offense a nightmare. But you can only contain a guy like Bryce for so long. Eventually, they're going to break out and have those huge plays. So I'm going Bama 27-20. I've talked to several people over the last week, Auburn fans, Bama fans, Georgia fans, and it seems the majority of going with Georgia. They're riding with Georgia to win this game. I mean, I've talked to several Alabama guys and, and ladies that are very hesitant about their Crimson Tide team being able to pull it out. And I'm telling them, Bama's going to win. I trust their offense a lot more than Georgia's. I don't think that Stetson Bennett can make enough plays to keep up with Bryce Young. They are one-dimensional. As I talked about, Bennett only averages 15 attempts per game. They got another thing coming if they think they're just going to run it down Bama's throat and live by pounding it on the ground. So when it does get to third and eight, third and nine, where Bama wants Stetson and Bennett to be third and long, forcing to throw it and make a play with receivers who aren't playmakers, it's going to be a long day offensively. But the defense will keep them in the game. But I still have Bama coming out on top, 27 to 20. Georgia will remain in the playoff. Bama obviously will get in the playoff. Uh, we'll see what happens in Michigan, Iowa. Cincinnati, Houston, Oklahoma State, Baylor. But the SEC will be happy to have two SEC schools back in the playoffs with two chances to bring the national champion back to the SEC yet again. For more content, subscribe to Corey Bradley Sports. Once you search Corey Bradley Sports, you will see the Sweet Spot logo. And after you subscribe, you will receive notification anytime new content is uploaded the sweet spot with Corey bradley can be found on spotify apple Podcasts, soundcloud and google Podcasts as well and always remember there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot